And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief over at arrowheadpride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. It's a Friday, June 12th edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Happy Friday to you, John. I'm glad to be here on a Friday. As the saying goes, any Friday above ground is better than any Friday below ground. That is a little morbid, I got to say, but you know what? <laughs> I like that energy. One more day above the roses. I am excited to, to be here. It has been really a historical week with all of the things that Andy Reid said and Patrick Mahomes said and Tyron Matthew said. It caused us to reshape the schedule of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show this week wanted you to hear their comments in full because it really felt like one of those Zoom press conferences where you come out and you say, all right, that way that Andy Reid was, I'm going to remember forever. I agree with that. I mean, it struck me more than anything else about what he said was his attitude about it. It was almost like we were back in training camp in 2018 and he had that spring in his step and that glint in his eye because he knew what he had in Patrick Mahomes and he was happy and he was excited. He was just the same when he spoke to the press on Wednesday. It was like he was talking about one of his grandkids, right? That, you know, the picture that he just put on his refrigerator, his pride in his players was right there on his sleeve. You could hear it in everything that he said. I'm so used to Andy Reid now. I think sometimes you can forget that he's been doing this as a head coach for two decades. I mean, that is unprecedented. He's been in the NFL for like three decades. So he has seen this thing change over time and probably had all this pent up feeling to say, I wish this were different. Mm -hmm. So it came off that way to me. And just pure pride in his players, in Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew for stepping up and being a part of that video, for Patrick Mahomes being the first person on that video to say Black Lives Matter and Tyron Matthew, again, just being a part of it. And cool for Reed to, to just come on there and you could play it a lot of different ways. And he just was in full support of his players. And I had a feeling that he felt this was a long time coming for even him. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hate to beat this drum being the guy who's the same age as Andy Reid, but <laughs> I really identified with a lot of what he said because, you know, I grew up in the 60s. I wasn't uh, it was it was kind of my older siblings decade you know i was what 13 in 1970 so i wasn't really a part of the big protest thing that was going on i wasn't in college i wasn't marching but i identified with all of it and i really haven't seen that kind of uh commitment out of young people ever since and as the guy sitting on my porch saying get off my lawn you know, I, I feel that that's something that they've been missing is a commitment to care about the world around them and the ability and willingness to do something about it. And I think that was part of what 
Reed found so exciting because I find it exciting. You know, again, I'm just putting my own spin on it as being a guy of this of the same age group, but I haven't seen this for 50 years. And to see young people, and it's not just young people, let's be clear about that. It's all age groups. But to me, it's very, very, very cool to see me so many young people choosing to make this something that they want to stand up about and do something about. It's it says a lot about the, the generation. Always a pleasure to be joined by the great Clint Eastwood on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. <laughs> you know what's funny is we thought after 50 years, seeing a Super Bowl would be cool. But mm-hmm. I think that's eye-opening that you say after 50 years, it's cool for this worldly thing to be happening. And, and we're in another, I think, part of history that... I, I, I'm not trying to be a cynic. I, I want to see what happens after this, but it really does sure. feel like it, it is different. We need to have that payoff. Andy Reid talked about that. Patrick Mahomes talked about that. Tyron Matthew talked about that. If you want to hear their comments in full, please go back to our last podcast. We posted a From the Podium. I encourage you to do so. This is, I think, an episode that you really don't want to miss. On this episode, we'll go through some of those quotes that I found to be critical as we move forward. In our second segment, we'll continue with some Chiefs news, update you on the Chiefs offseason. And then in segment three, we'll wrap up with the Chiefs' top homegrown talent and my favorite Chiefs thing of the week. But we talked about Andy Reid. My question to Reid this week, and you heard it if you listened to the last podcast, was. All right, you have Roger Goodell finally admitting the league was wrong. Reed's been in the league for 30 years. How does the league come out of this better admitting that they were wrong before? Yeah, no, I listen, I, I think Roger, he was a stud right there. I mean, that's a, uh, that's a hard thing to do, to say I was wrong. How many of us have a hard time saying that? And, and listen, time can do that to you, right? So we've all been in that position where things change and it's changing right now. How great is that? Every generation's changed in some way to get us to this point. Now we get to put, put it down and end it. And, and like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm big on this. So it makes the NFL better. It's going to make our country better. It's, it's a, we, we live in a great place, man. We are so lucky to be here. My guys tell me that every day. They know that. And now they get to make it better. They do. If you take that and you take what we do as a team and what we talk about all the time is how can we become better than we were before? Now, you might have to take a step back to be greater, to take a step forward, right? So that's what these guys believe in. And, they, and they're, you're seeing it now. You're seeing everything that we see every day and, and, uh, and why we get so fired up to talk to you guys and and deal with y'all. So I've got to get over that prejudice with you guys. I mean, you know, that's, uh, that's, but that's how we, that's how we feel. We, we're, we're, uh, um, we see this, um, and it's so exciting, man. It, it keeps old, like I said, it keeps old heads like me young. So I appreciate it. You hear right there, Andy Reid's voice just reaching an octave level that you don't hear. I mean, mm-hmm. he's usually just very subdued. He, I think usually is very thoughtful about what he gives to the media. And 
I I compared it only to after the Super Bowl when there's nothing left to hide. There's no more games to play after yeah. the Super Bowl that you had something similar to what we got the other day, just a really raw version of Andy Reid. And, and you could hear how proud he is of his players. And what I love about Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthews' involvement in this thing is just what I said about it feeling different. They're taking action. They want to promote voter registration in the area. It seems like Clark Hunt, President Mark Donovan, Andy Reid, are all behind this. And here was Tyron Matthew talking a little bit more about that. You know, I think we can sit here all day and, you know, talk about a lot of different things, right? And and most of those topics are very sensitive. They're very tough conversations. Um, and I think voter registration isn't one of those conversations. Um, uh, I, I think it impacts everybody. Um, uh, I think everybody can, you know, be a part of that. Um, and, and like I mentioned, you know, um, if people could really, you know, even guys like myself um, and more guys like me, if, if we can make voting cool, if we can make that a trendy thing, then, you know, um, we're really we're really changing the future. We're really setting these kids up for a great future. Um, we're really allowing these kids to, you know, access to more opportunities. Um you know, offering these kids more education and um, more resources. And I think the way to do that is to put people in office that are going to do that. And one of the, one of the, uh, probably the most important thing is, you know, to vote. And so, but a lot of folk don't think that's cool. And um, maybe, maybe we can make that, maybe we can make that a cool thing again. So there you go, Tyron Matthew, probably accidentally running into make voting cool again, but it, <laughs> I think makes a, a lot of sense there. And, and do you know exactly what I mean? I think a lot of people are out there wondering what can they do. Registering to vote and keeping track of when elections are and educating yourselves on who can potentially make things better will be a huge first step. And I think it's been good for both Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew to recognize that. And Mahomes in particular emphasized local elections. And this is the the forgotten thing about the way our democracy works. There's a saying among politicians that all politics is local. And we get ourselves worked up about who the president is and who the majority leader is and who's in control of the Senate and who's in control of the House. But most political issues start at home, at the school board, at the city council, those kinds of offices. And we don't, as Americans, tend to pay enough attention to those issues. So I appreciate that Patrick Mahomes understands that and that Tyron Matthew understands that, that it's mostly about changing your own communities in a way that matter and getting the people to do the jobs you want them to do. And it starts with, I think, watching the news, too. I know it's boring. I never was a guy who watched the news. And I, I finally, in the past year or two, made sure that I'm just keeping myself updated on what's going on in your area. And I'm biased here. I love 41 Action News and the job that they do. I think they do a tremendous, tremendous job of not only keeping you updated, but also presenting it in a way that is also entertaining. It's not always going to be bright. They covered the protests really well. If it bleeds, it leads. That still, of course, exists in our world. But 
you leave, I think, at least in my opinion, a 41 telecast and you are well informed about what's going on in your area. So not only with this emphasis, okay, to vote, but make an educated vote. Do your best to find out, okay, who can change things in a positive manner? And I think by paying attention to these things, both on a national and a local level, you could start to maybe take those steps to change the world. We're also seeing the NFL starting to take steps over a 10-year period. Yesterday, they announced they'll be donating $250 million to this cause. And I think more than the monetary amount, which you could argue with the NFL, it could be even more than that. Maybe there'll be other efforts as well. But 10 years is a long time. So not only is it just going to be over the next month to show a good face in front of the media, this is something that they want to devote a lot of time and effort to over the next decade. And so I think that spoke volumes to me. You're seeing where the NFL just today said that Juneteenth, the end of slavery, that will be a holiday that takes place next Friday. That's now a company holiday for Vox Media as well. So you're starting to see these little things, these little signs. I think it just takes now continuation of some of this stuff and really community involvement and community participation and community attention for some of these things to begin to be accomplished. Yeah, I, this is different than what we saw four years ago. I know the question on everybody's mind when this all started among the NFL players was, are there going to be players kneeling this fall? And I've been thinking about it quite a bit, and I'm not sure there will be. I think the players may understand that what Colin Kaepernick tried to do didn't work because his method distracted from his cause. And I think NFL players are conscious of that. And I think that they're going to try to avoid doing things that will allow that distraction to occur again. So I would not be a bit surprised if we don't see any of that, that we'll see players doing things like Mahomes and Matthew are doing, trying to find issues that we can all agree on to help bring some positive change to the situation. I respectfully, of course, disagree. I I definitely think that that you'll see (laughs) players kneeling. and, And I'll give you an example. I mean, I recently had a conversation with someone who I love, a family member, and they're upset about the manner in which folks are are kneeling. And my question was, okay, what would have caught your attention? And their answer to me was, well, if Colin Kaepernick would have donated money. And I said, did you know that he donated money? And also, I'll give you an example. He donated suits to young men of color so that they would have a better chance to win a job in job interviews. and. You know, my loved ones said, no, I didn't know about that. And I said, that's why they're kneeling, because they have your attention. And so I just think, especially given the gravity, the Drew Brees turn, I think you'll see a return to that. I don't think every player will do that. They'll be trying to have some efforts outside of what would be a peaceful protest in order to get their message across. Remains to be seen if Patrick Mahomes plans to peacefully protest. That was a question I asked him, and mm-hmm. he answered back to me, it's not about necessarily who kneels, but more so the right to kneel, which is, I think, in a small way, 
a manner to see how things play out here. To your point, John, maybe things do change as we get closest to September. We won't see games for a while. We'll talk about there's been a cut to preseason games, so we may not see this as soon as we thought that we would. And, and I think that's the grand message right there by Mahomes. He's right. It's not about who peacefully protests. It's about not missing the message and will be really intriguing, I think. You're right to see how this thing plays out. Mahomes himself put a nice bow on where he is on all of this toward the end of his press conference. It was just kind of a, a culmination of just seeing all of this happen and, and, and wanting it to stop and wanting us to find a better way of, of preventing this these instances to happen. And it's not that one of them was more significant than the other. It was just all of, the, all of it happening and then me feeling like, enough is enough of we got to, we got to do something about this. And uh, I was I'm blessed to have this platform. Why not use it? And I feel like I've, I've gotten, as I've gotten older and I've, I know I'm still young, I've learned a lot. And, and I think that's, that was one of the things I is, I know I have this platform. I know not everyone will agree with it, but I'm going to do my best to, to, to make the world a better place. And this is the right moment to do it. Patrick Mahomes wants to be the best football player in the world. There's no doubt about that. What landed in this lap because of that drive is this platform. And you could get the sense from this press conference to me, and I talked about it even before they spoke, is this was a measured decision. He talked to a lot of people. He mentioned talking to his godfather, Latroy Hawkins, the former pitcher, his father, Clark Hunt, Andy Reid, just this whole group of people. I'm sure the agency, Lee Steinberg, show me the money. He talked to all these people and made what was a conscious decision to say, all right, I truly want to be a part of this because I know my presence here will make a difference. And you've seen that in the days following. Yeah. And, you know, again, we disagree on this, but because he did that is why he chose very carefully not to make it about kneeling. You know, he really skillfully deflected your question there, I have to say. And when he said, you know, it isn't about who's participating and who's not. It's about the, the, the thing we're trying to get your attention towards. And because Mahomes talked to so many people, he had the opportunity to get some ideas and possibly from people who knew more about it than he did and could give him counsel on the best way to approach it. I think that's what's going to happen among all the league's players. Right between now and September. And let's not forget, we have a little ways to go here. You know, three months could be a long time for players to figure out what it is they want to do, the way they want to approach this to get the message out there without having it turned into something else altogether. Yeah. Um, So I, I, I understand your points. The point you made that, 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 you know, because of the way they did it, because it gotten people's faces, and upset some people, they got the attention that they wanted. But I think that in some ways, that attention turned out to be a problem too. So we'll see. Right. And the the feeling I got from Mahomes is that the jury's still out. I don't think he's decided whether he's going to kneel or or not. And he wants to see things play out. And I, I can't blame him for that. I just... Being a journalist again, I know it's a question that a lot of Kansas City Chiefs fans have, whether we yeah. agree or don't agree. Right. So that was my thought in trying to present it in a matter that was respectful. I think he gave a good enough answer for me. I know a lot of people want to know definitively 
what is he going to do or not? For me, I just, you may be right. Maybe there's some discussion on it for there to be zero players kneeling, peacefully protesting this fall for me feels like a, a stretch. But again, you're right. There, there is uh, a lot of time here. So we wrapped up that. One thing I, I would plead you to do is to go back and listen to not us yap, the raw, unedited comments. Make your own judgments. That is your right as a fan. I always encourage get as much information as possible. And that is served up for you right there from the podium, our last podcast. Coming up next on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we'll update you on the Chiefs offseason. Where does training camp stand? We'll also talk about why have the Chiefs not signed any of their draft picks? That's next on the AP Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, the Chiefs offseason continues, and we have an update officially. No in-person minicamps this offseason. This seemed like every day became more and more the direction that the league was going in, but it was confirmed by NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. There have been some dates being floated out. ESPN reports that the Chiefs and the Houston Texans, don't forget, they play on opening night, so they're before everybody else. Their report date for training camp is July 25th. Everyone else who plays three days later will be July 28th. And then with that earlier report date by a few days, two less preseason games And that allows teams to sort of start to acclimate from contact is my loose understanding of this. That way they can adjust their bodies. And I don't know if even the NFL exactly knows what they're doing because this is such a unique situation, an unpredictable situation. But that's where we stand right now. No minicamp and a July 25th report date. It was interesting that they first talked about perhaps moving the beginning of training camp up. We had a report to that effect last week. And then this week, they're talking about canceling a couple of preseason games, which I know a lot of fans would prefer. Most fans aren't too crazy about preseason games anyway, especially those who are paying for tickets for them. (laughs) But both of those would accomplish the same thing. Right. To give teams a little bit more time to work their players from 
the virtual off season into some kind of a reasonable facsimile of an <laughs> of a practice. Let, um, let's be honest, though, coronavirus or not, it should be two preseason games forever. You get to preseason game three and four, and you are like, "What are we doing here? This is a waste of a lot of people's time and money." And so, I hope this is one of those changes that just stays forever. I don't think you need additional preseason games. Oh, you get no argument from me on that. Andy Reid, interestingly enough, mentioned he doesn't know where training camp will be. I've been saying this. I think the jury is still out on this from everything that I've gathered. I'll give you my gut percentage here. I think you're at about 60 to 70%. This happens in Kansas City, 30% in St. Joe, but I still believe that it is that much. I really think that the league is still trying to figure it out. I probably would assume in this scenario, the league is starting to feel, well, if we allow one team, should we be allowing all teams to choose and opening up what would be that Pandora's box? That's why I still think the Chiefs will end up having it in Kansas City. I've been asked before, okay, does this mean it'll be in Kansas City forever? No. I think as soon as the Chiefs are allowed to have it in St. Joe, they will again because Andy Reid loves St. Joe for a lot of reasons. But right now, that's where we stand. I think the jury is still out on where the Chiefs end up having training camp. Yeah, the the thing is that it's not really a fairness issue, though, is because teams always had the ability to go elsewhere. So that isn't really part of the equation as far as the NFL is concerned. I think they're, if they, the only reason I can see to prevent it from happening is that it necessarily exposes the team, the players, the coaches, the staff, you know, that whole unit to more people. You can't go to a remote location and not expose yourself to more people than you would if you were doing it in your facility. I think that's the NFL just thinking about What's the way that we can minimize the possibility of COVID infections among each team? The Chiefs would tell you from what I I believe is happening here that they'd be better off and be in contact with less people at a quarantined St. Joe training camp than they would keeping their guys in Kansas City when right now you can freely go out anywhere. I mean, you could bring the team to St. Joe and like you're seeing with the NBA bubble and say... No, no. You're staying on campus and you're staying in just contact with your fellow players and coaches. You'll see your families in a month and keep them there. And the thought that you get from coronavirus experts, and there's a wide variety of them, that's why it's hard to pay attention as to what exactly to do, is as time goes on, you'll know more about it like anything. So a month passes and maybe things are in a little bit better place. I'm a little bit worried here as we're starting to get different reports of new waves and things like that. If by the time we get to the end of training camp, is this thing going to be prevalent again? Who knows? We, we are day by day with this thing. We're, we're taking the Eric Berry approach. We are so day by day with this thing. We don't know how it's going to play out. And we just have to pay attention to the updates. And that's how we're handling it as we run this Chiefs website. I, I know the NFL and the Chiefs are probably taking it day by day as well. Ravens head coach John Harbaugh just last night said that it would be humanly impossible (laughs) to have training camp under the current restrictions. So there's a lot of conversations going on. I think that is something that we can say with absolute certainty. John, 
you have any more comments on this or do you, are you good to, to move on here? Well, I, I loved Harbaugh's comment yesterday. It's rare that you see an NFL head coach make a statement that strong about a policy the league is considering. You know, they tend to tread pretty carefully. But in this particular case, Harbaugh just, he went there. <laughs> if there's one head coach to do it, it's the guy who's going for it on fourth down, right, ready to right. give Patrick Mahomes 40 yards <laughs> if he fails. <laughs> I want to move on to something you explored this week, John. Why haven't the Chiefs signed any of their draft picks? You have some more insight on this. Well, I think that most people assume that it's because they don't have the cap space to do it, and that's just not true. It takes, like Brett Veach told us recently, that about, generally speaking, three to $5 million to sign your draft class. But what, the more important figure is what the impact it is on your cap at the moment that they're signed. Because when players are drafted, they automatically go on the salary cap at an NFL minimum salary. And under top 51 rules, they don't count because there's plenty of other players down there who make that salary at that, that low salary, including all of your undrafted free agents. And they just don't count against the cap at this point. They will only count against the cap when they are signed to their contracts. And then their impact on the cap will be their contract less the contract they replace on the top 51 contracts. And in a couple of cases, the late round players, they will actually make less than the NFL salary the NFL minimum salary for an undrafted player. So they will actually have a positive effect on the cap. It works out to like uh, about $1.8 million in cap impact when the new players are signed. And the Chiefs have that much. But I, I find it amusing when I see people say, well, the Chiefs just don't have room to sign their players. Well, yeah, they do right now. It may be possible that at the final cutdown, the Chiefs might have to release a player or two to keep their rookies that they want to keep under right. the cap because at that point, all 53 players will count against the cap. But the issue right now is not the salary cap. The issue right now is that they haven't been able to bring the players into the facility to get physicals. And that is a big part of the process that we don't really think about is that you draft one of these players, you're counting on them being physically able to play. And if they come in the first time and they meet with your team doctor and the guy says, oh no, this, this guy can't play, you're not going to sign that contract. That only happens rarely. But a team isn't going to tie up a draft pick and a salary on a player that isn't able to play that season. It's just not going to happen. I think it was kind of telling this offseason. I can't pinpoint the day, but Brett Veach at one point, we were on with them asking questions probably around the draft if we were talking to Brett Veach. And we asked him about the salary cap and he kind of laughed. It's like, yeah, I see the constant panic among Chiefs fans. I see this and that. He's like, look, there are a lot of things you could do with the cap. Granted, a little bit different when you're talking about Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones. By the way, Monday will be one month until the Chris Jones deadline. Happy one month to all the Chiefs fans. <laughs> so there's a lot you could do. And, and so what I would say is don't have panic yet. We'll see how it plays out. Once we get to that cut down date and have an understanding of where it's at, then you may, as we've talked about on episodes before, enter a situation where you're not in a position to sign 
some free agents throughout the season. That would be a bummer because we know how big those role players played last year in the Chiefs Super Bowl run. But right now, I think it's not time to panic yet. There may be a time in the future. Just you're okay. Everyone can breathe, I think, at this point. Want to talk about Tyron Matthew before we move on to the next segment. He's doing this really cool thing I want to make you aware of with Bleacher Report in a series called The Landlord. What's up, guys? I'm Tyron Matthew, also known as The Landlord. They call me The Landlord because I own the field and I take care of Chief Kingdom. But right now, my social responsibility goes much beyond that. Oh, my God! <laughs> this is amazing. Thank you. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is so awesome. My God, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so grateful. I appreciate the donation. There's nobody I've ever done anything like this for me before. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Catch me as a landlord coming soon to Bleacher Report. This week on Bleacher Report's Twitter account, you can find it five-minute episodes of Tyron Matthew contacting people from his hometown of New Orleans and saying, we're going to pay your rent with all the struggles throughout the coronavirus. And the sponsor, I think it's Zelle, ends up matching another month of rent. So two months rent get paid for all these people in need. It's a video call with Matthew and the recipient and really a cool effort by Matthew, something that was pretty warm hearted He is the landlord and he's paying rent. I wish my landlord would do the same. Probably not going to happen. But I've been enjoying the episodes and I encourage you to check them out. Who would have predicted during this NFL offseason that Tyron Matthew would be doing his best Ed McMahon impression, showing up (laughs) on people's doorsteps with a big check from Matthew Clearinghouse? Second time we're talking about Matthew this episode and it has nothing to do with his play on the field. And he's a really good player on the field. So kudos to Brett Feach. He does a nice job. He's doing a nice job with this team, not only bringing guys that are really, really strong players on the field, but the best of guys seemingly Mm. off the field. When we come back on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we'll talk about the Chiefs' top homegrown player entering 2020 and the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. That's next. Stay with us. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, wrapping up this Friday, June 12th edition as you start your weekend. Hope you're enjoying your time in Kansas City or elsewhere. Let's talk about the Chiefs' best homegrown player this week. John, you actually covered this in a blog for us. NFL.com covered it, Greg Rosenthal, and he mentioned McCole Hardman as the Chiefs' top homegrown player entering 2020. What was your reaction to this? Well, a lot of people were confused by this. You know, most people would immediately pick Patrick Mahomes. But what Rosenthal was looking for was a young player who could make a significant difference, the most significant difference, by taking their game to the next level and also be a homegrown player. And McCall Hardman is a good choice. I mean, he certainly is someone, if he took his game to another level, who could make a significant impact for the Chiefs' offense. Now, it may not be entirely up to him. You know, the problem from Hardman is going to be getting targets, right? Even if he improves as a receiver, he may not get the opportunity to seriously impact the Chiefs' production. So my theory was, in order to get the biggest return, 
from a step up for a second year player or a third year player. Some of them were some of the ones Rosenthal picked were third and fourth year players. You're going to want to have a player on the side of the ball that needs the most improvement. So for me, I would be looking at the defense and maybe a player like Colin Saunders or a player like Rashad Fenton or a player like Tano Passanio or Breland Speaks. You know, these are all guys that we're watching very carefully because we want to see them take that next step and be real contributors on the defense. And if any one of those players takes a step up, it could make a big difference for the Chiefs defense. Yeah, a couple takes on this for me. We've entered a period in Kansas City where questions just wouldn't be fun if you don't say Patrick Mahomes is not involved in this. So a lot of times when I'm asking fans on Twitter, I say, you can't pick Mahomes. So let's just take him out of this conversation. He is obviously the best Chiefs homegrown player. With no restrictions, to me, you take out Mahomes, I would pick Travis Kelsey since he's in the mix for the greatest tight end of all time. Sure. Following the rules and following your recommendations, John, I think Tano Passanio is the pick. And it is because he took a huge step for me last year. Now he can take an even bigger step, an even greater step next year, especially with the fact that Emmanuel Agba is no longer here and Alex Okafor, even when he was healthy, was not necessarily the player we saw in training camp. And Steve Spagnuolo really likes him, so I know he's going to get those opportunities. You did mention Breland Speaks, who I actually like him as a person. On the field, he's dead to me, which means he's going to have to have a resurrection in training camp if I'm going to even consider him for this. That would be a nice story, but that's all it is. He's in that Tano Passanio last year territory where we're saying he's going to be cut. So can, like Passanio did, his, his bro there, can he have a resurrection in training camp and get on our radars again? I don't see that happening. I think there's a very small chance of that happening. I hope it does. Rocky start to his career for Speaks. High hopes. At least, yeah. High hopes, really, really low production. He had a suspension while he's already on injured reserve, which is not a good look. I I wish the best, and I'm eager to see what he brings to the table. If I'm him, you have to look at this training camp as your last possible chance. You got to come on tip-top shape. You got to do whatever the coaching staff tells you. You have to show that you deserve a spot because right now, based upon what you put on tape already, you don't. And so Mm -hmm. we'll see how that plays out. Want to move on finally to the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. And we know that that is Andy Reid's words, his entire press conference. I've done it a few times. I encourage you to go listen to it. Andy Reid was the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. But taking him out of it for something a little bit lighter, let's go to Max Crosby on Bleacher Report's Adam Blefko show. What are you doing, Max? First, he talks about Tyree Kill, which is nice. And then. You'll see where this thing goes. Well, Tyreek Hill, he's just, he's a different breed. The dude is so fast and quick. It's just like, it's second to none. I've never seen anything like it. So whether he's coming in motion, you know, you have to, you have to pay attention to him. Even if he's a decoy, it's still slowing the defense down. If he's lined up wide, you can't let a guy just, you can't just be man to man. You have to have some type of help over the top just in case. So, you know, having a guy like that, that is such a, you know, game changer and a just a X factor. You always have to pay attention to him. And that just, you know, that helps offense out in a lot of ways. 
So I looked in, in, in your 10 sacks. I saw you got Drew Locke. Uh, I saw you got a bunch of other guys. How sweet would your first sack of Mahomes be? Because we you haven't gotten one yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd, I've, I was close a few times. Um, and it, it pissed me off, you know, pretty much. Uh, pretty much every... Every second after that game was over, both times, I was just just mad and blah blah blah, whatever. But you know, he's he's a different type of player too. He's one of those guys that's just like he just backpedals. He'll get throw the ball from weird angles. Like it's not like sacking a regular quarterback. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to sacking him. It needs to happen. Um, and it's, it's definitely going to happen. So do I just got. You want me to give him a message for you? Are you coming? You can do whatever you want. I don't, I don't care. I just, I just know I'm, I'm coming. No doubt. I love, I love it. We took Andy Reid out of it, and I'm still going to bring up Andy Reid. Andy Reid does such a good job of not providing bulletin board material. He hates it. Why? Why give players extra motivation? So here you have a Raiders defensive end, young guy, able to get 10 sacks last year, up and coming, Max Crosby, struggle with Patrick Mahomes. You really do. You were up 10 nothing, and in the blink of an eye, you were down 28-10. And here you go on the left Coast show. And granted, Adam served it up for Yeah, Max. he really did. <laughs> he did. Well, let's admit that. But why say you're definitely going to get a sack? Just say he's a good young player. You look forward to playing him, and you hope you can get one. Take that advice. There's no reason to give the best player in the world more motivation to whoop your ass, which is what you just did. You just did it. It's over. It's out there. He's going to see it. These players read the website as much as you guys pretend you don't. I know some of you probably even listen to this. You, you read it. You're going to see it. Why did you do it, Max? Why did you do it? Best Chiefs thing I heard all week. But on the other hand, don't you love to see that in a player? That brash self-confidence? I mean, I don't like to see it on a Raiders player, of course, but you want to see that's the kind of player you want on your team. One who's brimming with self-confidence and wants to get out there and make the plays and do those things. So it's hard for me to criticize him for it, but you're exactly right because it could blow up in your face. <laughs> well, now you just set yourself up for disaster. Now you have to get the sack, right? Because if you get through two games as an Oakland Raider, probably even the one game. We know our Chiefs fans. We know our Chiefs community. They'll be looking up that Twitter handle. Yeah. You will have a... <laughs> what are you doing? Save, save yourself the trouble, my friend. By the way, I, I thought of a Raider instantly when you said someone that you wish had confidence. And that's Derek Johnson. We forget about that. <laughs> Good way to end. Good way to end. Let's turn the page. What a week it was. Good week of content up at arrowheadpride.com. We encourage you to go back and listen to some of our previous episodes. Please provide us a rating and review. Everything helps. Coming up next on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, it's the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory on Monday. So subscribe to them. Follow them on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Arrowhead Phones for John. P.G. Sween for myself, for John Dixon. My name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you once again for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Shield.